Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Oh, man. How is your space adventures going? Are we ready to talk about Starfield today? It's Put uh, it off a bit. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I mean... Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't even a sentence, but I feel like it conveys my feelings. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> I I hear you. I hear you. Um, but yeah, like, there's a lot to unpack there for Starfield, I feel like. And uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, did you want to kick off the show chatting about your your maternity leave? Because honestly, like, you've, what, you're have what you doing, like, what, three weeks? And not that you have a countdown or anything that we've been talking about previously. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah i definitely have it's it's panic inducing at this point uh but yeah so um we are going to be induced in three weeks so a little bit early uh and so basically uh this is going to be my last episode of gamers in for a while not forever for a while um but uh i'm expecting hoping knocking on wood to return uh, basically for the Extra Life event. Um, so that'll be game day, which is the first weekend in November. And then um, hopefully coming back to the show after that. So you guys are going to be without me, just with Ryan. He's going to hold down the fort with some guests who are going to help fill in. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be about like six weeks or so. And then then I'll be back. Very good. Yeah, it, uh, and, and that's the main thing, Link. Hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, we talked a bit about this pre-show, and I think the key thing here is to say, like, Jocelyn will be returning. Uh, it's like the it's like the end of a really bad MCU film where they're like, you know, this character <laughs> will return. It's like, you don't know when, but, like, sure yeah. enough, they're going to return. It's or will return, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's a good one. Like, at the end of Thor 3, it's like, they've done three of these movies. We'll do another one. Thor will be back. Uh, we just, we don't have... We don't have the date. Exactly. We don't know when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thor's got to get used to having a kid, which is, you know, how the the fourth one ended. So, yeah. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. I, I He didn't have a kid. I think he adopted someone. Anyways, it's not important. The important thing here is that Jocelyn will be returning. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about Starfield for her last episode. Uh, and <laughs> when she comes back, she'll have finished Starfield. And is like, oh, man, so wrong. It was amazing. I was so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it it just changed everything. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll have guests on. We'll be we'll be talking extra life, and you know the plan was always you know for game day, which is Saturday, November fourth. Uh, I should know that off the top of my head. Um, we'll uh, we'll have Jocelyn, you know, playing games with us, you know, jumping in for some fun. Sea of Thieves. I don't think I'm allowed to play Sea of Thieves without you, Jocelyn. Like that's a rule. you are not. <laughs> Um, Dead by Daylight, even more so. That's not a rule. Yep. That's like, you know, <laughs> it just can't happen. Literally, if I try to run Dead by Daylight and I don't have Jocelyn on a Discord call, it doesn't work. Yep. Just blue screen <laughs> I need death. to put in my, my special voice command <laughs> to make yeah. Dead by Daylight work for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have lots of fun planned uh, for Extra Life. And uh, we'll continue to, to share details on those streams uh, over the coming weeks. So look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to obviously the baby and and a little bit of time off, but uh, I will miss you guys. So uh, yeah, thanks Ryan for holding down the fort and and everybody for supporting not only Gamers In but the Extra Life campaign. I know um, I'm not going to be nearly as active heading into game day as I normally am, so uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a quieter year for me for Extra Life. But really support, really appreciate everybody's support. 
of the show and of the campaign. So you guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, I guess let's just let's dive right in to uh, to Starfield. And I should say, like, because all of the stuff that we've said so far has made it sound like I like hate this game. <laughs> and I mean, I don't I don't I don't hate this game. I think um I went into this with basically zero expectations. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of their um, like their hype and their marketing campaign, everything. Like I stayed away from most of it, other than I think um, it would like basically what I saw over and over and over again was like number of planets, exploration, like, and I, and I think I even said a couple of episodes ago, like it looks like slash reminds me of No Man's Sky. Which, like, I kind of think was almost like an error in their marketing because it seemed to alienate people like me who like story RPG stuff and who would kind of generally expect that out of a game like this from, like, the team that made the Elder Scrolls universe, right? But then also when the game actually launched, it seemed like a lot of people were really, really pissed off because the exploration wasn't what they were expecting. So I'm like, at least I wasn't the only one who got that vibe out of the marketing that they did. Mm. Because I think at some point I saw an article where they're like, well, the creator called it Skyrim in space. I was like, I don't think I ever heard that, (laughs) like that description, that terminology. So I'm like... Wherever he said it, whenever he said it, he should have said it more because that would have potentially like brought back my interest a little bit. And I might have paid more attention off the get go if I knew that there was going to be like an extensive amount, a Skyrim amount of story within the game. Because to me, it felt very much like they were pushing the exploration and like you can go planet to planet and go mining and, you know, build your house and also, there's something about sandwiches. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, None of this sounds appealing to me at all. So I feel like their marketing was... Um, and maybe if you were paying attention and watching every single like presentation that they did, maybe you had a better idea of like what the story was going to be. But um, yeah, for me, I was like, wow, they seem to have dropped the ball. Even with all the marketing they did, they still seem to not do it very well. <laughs> For what the game ended up being. Yeah. Uh, it's odd. Um, I, I paid attention to like the the marketing that was sort of like higher level stuff like the directs and, and the showcases and whatnot. And I think the last showcase in June gave me the best look at like what this game is, which which was closer to a Skyrim in space. Which is funny because I started watching that. I remember because that was uh, right after the Xbox showcase, right? Yes. So they had like, they had all the Xbox stuff and then they started in on Starfield and they were talking about, I think, like ship customization or something. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was just like, oh my God, I've been watching this for like five or six minutes and they've totally lost me. This looks like the most boring shit ever. (laughs) Like I can't stand... Like, it's the reason that Diablo, I never really got into Diablo 4, is because I'm like, I hate inventory management. And this looks like I have to manage my inventory for my character and my ship and my house. And I just like, no, (laughs) so much micromanagement. So I turned it off. I couldn't listen to it. I was so like, I was working and listening and I was so bored. (laughs) And I was like, 
having trouble concentrating on work because there's just this guy droning on about ship bits. And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. Like, I think if you, and this is a very good sort of comparison to Starfield, like that showcase, while well, it was 45 minutes, uh, five minutes of which was kind of devoted to, which is a long time for S- Starship customization. I basically thought, like, if this is what they're leading with, like, it's got to be downhill from here, right? Like, this is their hype moment is all of these ship parts. I'm out. (laughs) And but this is the thing. I think that, like, like when you look at that direct and you look at Starfield, it's kind of the same approach of like, well, in order to really appreciate the direct, you had to watch the whole thing. Just like Starfield. (laughs) Well, in order to appreciate it, you have to play 10 hours, which was like most of the caveats for reviews was yeah, it really takes off after ten ah. hours. Although you can't take <laughs> off manually, it's a cutscene, which I'm totally fine with. I guess that yeah, was another thing. That people really upset about. pissed off the internet. Oh yeah, they were mad. <laughs> but like, I, you know, we played. I've played No Man's Sky. It is look. I'll say this: it's cool to take off manually, but at the end of the day, uh, let's let's use that super speed drive. Let's uh, let's just. I get this th- over with <laughs> basically like Starfield. My number one piece of advice is embrace the fast travel. You can fast travel literally everywhere. And there's no, from what I've been able to tell, no, um, uh, consequence. No cost, to doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a bar that fills up. I don't know if it's like taking credits away to refill that bar or if like it's all free or it's pulling from my inventory. I don't know. I haven't hit that. Like, issue yet but i just fast travel everywhere and i get in in a world in with video games we play like in that a can world be a little, <laughs> in a world in a space world um like it, it can be like oh man this must be costing me something because it's too convenient um but it skips you right to where you want to go yeah and if you stop and think about it if you were to like manually fly that distance and i think that's kind of what um they had to they had to make that smaller because if you manually fly that distance, you would just be sitting there in empty space in a spaceship yes. hitting the like left stick to go fast and yep. it would be nothingness for an hour. Exactly. You know, like, like that's they boring. had to shrink that space. That's not you're not meant to explore the space between the planets. You're meant to explore the planets. So, yeah. yeah. And the, the other issue people had that that you and I both had when they originally announced it was like thousands of planets. You can explore yeah. all of them. And like, you can do that. That's totally possible. There are thousands of planets. They're all there. You can go to them and you can land and you can walk around, but you'll quickly notice that when you do that, uh, it's, it's boring. There's nothing, there's nothing there. There are there's points of interest. Find. Yeah. <laughs> and And those points of interest have like, stuff there usually sometimes it's like a mining uh thing that you can go in and like mine or it's a it's an outpost taken over by one of the enemy factions you can clear it out maybe you get like a piece of text saying hey you did it good job um (laughs) i think like you can you can safely ignore that stuff unless you're having fun doing it but like i think you could ignore that follow the path of the quests the game does a really good job of saying go here next uh, while you're walking around town, people are like conversing. You're a great eavesdropper because every time I walk through town, it's like, oh yeah, I should go check that out. It's like they were having a private conversation and you're just 
writing, taking time to write in your log, like, oh, I heard this person talking about something. I'm going to go check that planet <laughs> out. You know, it it works really well, the game, to basically fill your mission log with um, stuff to do, whether it's uh, a main quest, uh, a side quest, or an activity. Activities being more of the uh, more mundane stuff. But those activities sometimes lead to side quests that that uh, right. become more substantial. So it's good to like follow up on leads that sound interesting because it's going to lead you to points of interest that is actual gameplay, not walk on this dusty planet for three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that in my playtime, once I stopped trying to do everything and just follow the whatever quests I had, I was having more fun and not not hitting like that weird what am I doing <laughs> phase of, of playing a, a large open world game, you know, uh, like questioning, like, what am I spending my time on? Uh, I think that's the critical thing. And I mean, if you're pointing to the empty vastness of space and saying like, this game is boring. Um, that is, that is a take for sure. But like, there is so much to this game that is, that is interesting. You really do have to focus on it. And the game really does its darndest to point you towards that. Which then, I mean, I would I would make the argument, why make such a big game then? Like, oh, isn't yeah. that a lot of wasted time and resources just to be able to say, we have a thousand planets, like, yeah, but our story is concentrated on 20 of them. Like, then why did you make the other 980? You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I prefer the Mass Effect approach, like where you have, like, all the planets are there. You can interact with all the planets but like it's only the critical planets that you have gameplay on that you can land and do stuff. I yeah. think for you and I, we both agree on that on that point of like, you know, less is more, you know, let's not overcomplicate things. Give me a subsystem to engage with planets that have no gameplay there, like scanning or mining from orbit. Like if we can fly around the galaxy with the push of a button, we should be able to send some drones down to the planet and collect stuff whatever's you know, there yeah i think like that's a better approach to cut out the extra stuff but i know these days when you design an open world game yet you, you have like for some reason you have to have that extra stuff that like frustrates you and i that's you know i know we can ignore it and it's not for us that's fine but like i think it's still a valid point to say like well why do we need all this stuff <laughs> Yeah. Is it to justify the $90 price? Does that make folks happy? I mean, I don't think f- folks are happy uh, on the internet. I think it's I think this is the only <laughs> spot right here. Uh the gamers in Discord as well that's happy on the internet, but like I get the sense <laughs> that yeah, I don't know. Um there's a lot to love here and like if you're really into flying spaceships, I'm terrible at the combat in in space. I I, I just I'm bad at it. I keep dying. It's super frustrating. But I think that's a me hmm. thing. I don't know. I was going to say, I haven't been dying, but I also haven't had very many space conflicts yet. Like, you know, right at the very beginning when they're teaching you how to do it, they're not going to really punish you, right? So right. maybe it's just that you've like wandered into an area you're not supposed to be. Yeah, it's it's mostly been quest related. So I'm doing. Oh, um, OK. So you've been sent there. <laughs> Yeah, well, it is a side quest, but it's an interesting one. It was so this is the thing like and we can talk a little bit about story here. And and the story is so the side quest I'm doing like it's definitely a world that's lived in. They've fleshed out a lot of like different factions, both good and bad. Um 
and in between. And one of them was like, it was, uh, I think it's the organization list and they like basically, it's an organization that sends explorers out to, you know, unsettled planets and they sponsor them to settle these planets. And I, I went there and it's like a group of families that don't get along, but they're they're and they're being targeted by spacers, which is the bad guys, one of the bad guys. And, uh, the idea was like, oh, we need you to, you know, they took out our communication satellites. We need you to fix those so that we can communicate in the system so we can defend ourselves. So I was like, okay, I'll go fix the satellites. Of course, they're in space. Of and, course. <laughs> you know, I thought, hey, maybe it's we're all on the same planet and it's ground satellites because ground combat, no issues. Uh, <laughs> that stuff is fantastic. Like for a Bethesda game, they figured out how to do shooting. It It feels good. Like... They nailed. That was my one worry. Is like I played Fallout Four. There's a reason there's the VAT system where you can like not shoot anything manually. You just use the 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 RPG targeting stuff. But in Starfield, I think they've really nailed the shooting on ground. But in space, they're all being defended by spacers, and like I kept dying. So I like I think it's part. I don't have enough ship parts yet. Uh, I don't know what level there are levels attached to enemies in space, but I don't know like what my level is. Mm. Uh, I managed to kind of scrape through it, but this goes back to the fast travel thing. I had to like in between battles, fast travel to a repair station then fast travel back, which is like not a good use of resources in the real world. Yeah, Not so, a great experience, <laughs> but uh, it worked. I wasn't punished for like basically f- flying light years out of my way to, <laughs> <laughs> to repair and come back. <laughs> Don't worry, those satellites, they're on the verge of destruction, but you got plenty of time to go gas up, I guess. But uh yeah, it's I I'm struggling with space combat. It's not my favorite part and I have avoided it pretty much at most costs. Uh I do have like a I do have like a guide. I looked up like what's the best spaceship. So I have like the best spaceship sort of highlighted. I know what I need to get in terms of like skill levels okay. and credits. So I'm going to do that. So I'm going to like, when I go back to it, I will aim for that. You're like targeting what you need to get so that you can, yeah. So I can actually have fun (laughs) with (laughs) with space combat. When I die, it's really frustrating. Like it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not fun. I've never been really good at space combat, but uh, like it's, I understand the systems. It works quite well. Uh, But, and I, and I can understand fully why folks really love the combat in this game from in space but yeah it's just uh but it leads at least to like the story side of it and i know this is an issue both you and i have with like what is the story you know it's a fleshed out world but yeah we were talking about this a little bit uh pre-show because i was saying like i so basically i played the first few hours um but i never it didn't it didn't really hook me uh and then i watched uh, a couple of streams and i watched uh, my husband play he's around level 20 or so and uh, so i know i missed a, a chunk of you know progression anyways i don't know how much story i missed in those like kind of intervening 15 levels or whatever but um basically like it's missing a hook in my opinion like if you have to play you know, 10, 15, 20 hours in order to, in order for the story to kind of really get going, then, and I know I've said this, I can't think of what games off the top of my head, but I know I've said this before. Um, Like that's, that's too much time. That's too much of an investment. Like I feel like 
so far in Starfield, there's no larger universal threat like the Reapers in Mass Effect, which is what really pulled me into that universe because, and I know I, I'm probably going to talk about and reference Mass Effect quite often because it's one of the very few sci-fi things I actually really, really love. Um, so like, I'm kind of, I guess, holding everything to a Mass Effect standard in that like, that's the kind of sci-fi that that grabbed me, that that interested me and, you know, like had the the space element that I don't normally enjoy, but I love Mass Effect. So anyways, in Mass Effect, you had like the, the Reapers or there was uh, even in the first one where the Reapers weren't necessarily like they were kind of like looming dark in the background, but you didn't really know what was going on yet. And there was just that. Um, oh, crap. What's his name? Is it Soren? Yeah, Soren. Yeah. Uh, you had like that one rogue bad guy kind of thing to to kickstart the Reaper story. And then, you know, on the Skyrim side of things, like you specifically as the player character were special. You were the Dovahkiin. You were the dragon shouter. You know, like you had a very important, very central role in the story that kind of like pushed things forward and made it interesting Whereas like Starfield, I'm like, I don't feel like anything about the universe is particularly interesting and nothing about me is particularly interesting. So what is driving the story? Like, why am I playing this just to live in the universe? I already live in a universe. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, I, I just, I want more out of the storytelling in my games. And the fact that this is a Bethesda title makes me go like, you guys have a high bar. You set yourselves like, where's no. my dragon shouting? Like, <laughs> well, what's the equivalent in Starfield? Like what? And I'm like, I, I touched a fancy rock and there were stars did. in my face. Does that you, make me special? Like, it does. <laughs> does everyone see stars? <laughs> but like, what does it mean? And so far, no one's told me no one seems to care. <laughs> Other yeah. than like the dude that we give it to is like, oh, you went on a trip, eh? <laughs> Yes, so <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm missing the the drive, like the the hook of the story. Yeah, so I played um I played about ten hours, uh ten to twelve hours, and I do see the 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 driving force start to take hold, but it is not um it is not a situation of uh like mass effect of like total you know, annihilation of the galaxy. Like I got to save the galaxy. Like that's not happening here. I think what the developers set out to do, and they talk about this in the marketing. So it's not like it's, it's not, oh, they, it's not an, oh, they lied situation. It is, it, this is the truth. Like they said, we wanted to build an RPG around the wonders of space and exploration and settling space. And, and what happens when you kind of like humanity spreads out into the galaxy. Um, so far, there I haven't encountered aliens. There's no aliens. There's alien life, but no like sentient aliens. It's all humans, right? Which like is something I find a little boring. <laughs> like, yeah, it is boring. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's a choice, right? It's a narrative yeah. choice, and I know we talked about this. Maybe I talked to somebody else, but I said like, it's a choice, and you have one of one or two things that happen in the course of the story. Uh, and I don't know this for sure, but like one or two things happen. The whole game continues to be, there are no aliens, 
which I find to be, you know, it's a big amount of space you're exploring. So like, it's like, I don't know the chances of there being no sentient life. It depends on who you ask, but like, it seems odd, but uh, it, again, it's a choice. But the other option is, which I find just as uninteresting is that like the game twists into a first contact situation, you know, mm. first contact with sentient life. That could be interesting. And maybe it's something they save for a sequel or DLC, or maybe it's already in there. I don't know. I don't really want people to spoil it for me, but yeah, because because there is still that <laughs> idea I, like, of like what's going on that's interesting. I don't, like just yeah, something right. Well, and I mean, like first it, first contact is so interesting because I feel like first contact can be really cool if it's like a movie about first contact, like contact. <laughs> you know that like. That's potentially interesting, but movies are also confined to this like one and a half to two hour space. Yeah. I find like there's a lot of time probably in in at least most sci-fi and, and you know, IRL if we ever meet aliens, I would think there would probably be some time between first con contact and then like interesting stuff happening, right? Like so by interesting stuff, I mean, like, well, unless we get invaded, then that's war right away. But, you we've know, we've seen like, those movies. Yeah, we've seen those movies. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're either going to have like first contact and then there's going to be, you know, like establishing a lot of the things that we kind of take for granted in a lot of our other sci fi, like in Mass Effect and Star Trek and, you know, where they have all of these like councils and, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff or like Star Wars too. you know, like establishing a galactic government like no one wants to actually play through that <laughs> like that point in time you know you want to like exist in a in a game in a world in a fantasy setting where or in a fictional setting where all of that stuff already exists because it's different than what we do right now you don't want to like spend three hours setting up a galactic council does that sound fun to anybody <laughs> No, no, well, maybe in civilization. Maybe, I think they did maybe. one civilization game where they did that. And it, it didn't. Yeah. Well, there's no sequel. So that should give you yeah. an idea. I, I think but you know that what I mean? Like, or, or you're going to war. And again, like, unless it's an invasion type scenario, like you have to <laughs> play through all the stuff where you're meeting all these civilizations and pissing them off enough for them to want to annihilate you to start a war, you know, like. I don't know. Neither of those, like playing the intervening years between first contact and things getting interesting doesn't sound like fun to me. I would rather just jump into a game where things are already interesting. So yeah. like I, I agree with your first contact scenario that if that is where Starfield is going, it's like, but is that interesting? Probably not. <laughs> it would be it would be so from what I've gathered, and I don't know that yet, but like there's there's something going on in the game right off the bat. And it starts with you're on this asteroid, you're mining, you pick up this um, what I assume to be some sort of alien device uh, or piece of it. We don't nobody knows you get you touch it. You see like a vision very similar to what happened to Commander Shepard when he touches yep. the uh, the thing on the on the planet in the place. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah, in the place, <laughs> you know, just so he sees the vision of the Reapers and um this is not that it's more of like a it looks more of like a galaxy or a blueprint yeah it looks or like something. a place i guess yeah yeah it's very much stars and and space wooshies yep 
Wooshies is a great, yeah. <laughs> is definitely a great descriptor for this. So you touch it, you you black out, and then you get sort of, I, w- I want to say recruited, but you get more like pushed into the uh, constellation organization, which are a group of explorers. There's sort of a myth only because there's only like 10 people in the group at a time and space is big. So it's like kind of their equivalent to uh, just the small explorers group that's very finite in amount on the amount of people that get inducted uh and then the game kind of goes from there to like find more of these artifact artifacts and but again like the drive is just what are these things yeah these seem neat <laughs> these seem neat is essentially the the main quest for the first five or six hours um and and i mean if you've watched some streams and you, and you watch matt play a little bit further and this will be a, a spoiler for folks at home. So again, like if you've made it this far, like it's it's not that big a deal. But um, you do eventually find what is a larger anomaly. And it turns out to be a temple of some sort. And interacting with that temple in a way gives you uh, a power. So you do get powers. Uh, and why? Who knows? You still don't have that answer. <laughs> then the main quest becomes like, Let's find more of these, you know, metal things to touch. And it, you are part of a group and you're traveling with companions. The companions never argue like, hey, maybe I can touch this one. You know, they're always like, probably safer to just have one person in the group continue to touch these things and black out. Like, <laughs> in we don't case know what they they're doing. They give us like insta cancer or something. <laughs> yeah, we really don't know what's happening. And it's the same thing with the temples. So, like, that's the second part is it's like, well, we got to find more of these power temples to get more powers the first power you get is kind of like an anti-grav field that you can apply during ground combat to enemies although you have to be careful because if you apply it it's kind of a field of effect and it's hard to tell where it's going to affect i had one moment where i did it in combat and i was trying to rescue somebody at the same time from the bad guys well i used it (laughs) instantly the companion like starts chirping at me and i'm like what's wrong what's going on i talked to her She's like, you know what you did, and I don't think that th- we can come back from this. And I'm like, what did I do? And I realized, oh, right, I applied the stasis effect and probably not even it, – it doesn't even hurt anybody, but it probably, like, it probably was triggered as, like, a, you know, friendly fire situation. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know what you did. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I had to kind of think about it for a bit, and then I was like, oh, and I reloaded the save, and everything was fine. Um, I thought it was because I used the power, but, but that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, it's, um, the story and the setup kind of reminds me of like Firefly in the sense that it's like, it's this inhabited galaxy, but there are no aliens. It's kind of like a Western feel, um, which I kind of, I kind of dig. Like there's a city you go to with, uh, with Sam Co. It's called, I think, Aquila and you're there and it's very much like a, you know, like an old west type setup. Yeah, I've I've and, seen that one. Yeah, it's cool. Like I I dig what they're laying down, and it's true. You do kind of have to give it the ten hours to kind of like settle in. This is a whole new world that they're unveiling to you. However, I agree with you, Jocelyn, and that like it would have been uh, a better idea to sort of front load the story a little bit because the mystery isn't compelling enough for me to. For, for most, I think, or some to push through it. Like the mystery isn't mm-hmm. compelling. Um, there's no, there's no tidbit there. It's just, you see some wacky 
flashing lights and um there's not even like talk of powers like you just kind of discover it and i'm like oh well geez like you know they didn't put in the marketing either so i am like hesitant to talk about it but i think it's important for, for folks at home to understand like it leads somewhere where it goes ultimately after you get the six powers or whatever that are available like there's still no reason <laughs> to be doing yeah. it all and that's the struggle what's the reason that i'm doing this outside of like well let's figure out what's going on and that is a little bit compelling but it's like give us give us a little bit more you know um i i can see the end of it all i'm worried it, it's disappointing but based on the reviews <laughs> my understanding is that it's not my understanding is it, is it what it's what makes the game more interesting so i'm curious about that not enough to google it but <laughs> I mean, the, overall, like I, I have seen a lot of people who are playing it and uh, the consensus does seem to be a little bit split. I would say more so than uh, than the consensus on Baldur's Gate 3 kind of seemed like everyone who sat down and played Baldur's Gate 3 really, really, really liked it with the exception of me who didn't understand Dungeons and Dragons and who really, really struggled, struggled with that learning curve. But um, I think people who had at least a base idea of what was going on really, really, really liked it. Starfield seems to be really, um, I don't necessarily want to say controversial, but um, definitely like splitting the fan base. Like some people are kind of like me that are, where they're just like, I don't understand why I want to be in this universe and why I want to continue playing. And then people like... I don't, I don't even know if this is the camp you fall in, Ryan, but basically like other people are like, this world is so cool. I'm really like digging all the different things I can do and look at my cool house and I built a new ship and, you know, they're really, really enjoying living in the in the Starfield universe. So like, I, I think the, the people are more split on this than some other titles that we've seen this year, but um, I don't think it's necessarily like a bad game or anything like that. It's just um, to me it seems a little unfocused. Like they tried to be big for the sake of being big and the game might've been better served by a little bit more of a narrowing of the universe. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's necessarily bad. Like I, I think <laughs> I will say um, <laughs> the, the NPCs, man, and the huh. character models. I'm just like, that to me was probably the biggest disappointment out of anything is like, and you know, everyone's like, Oh, well it's a Bethesda game, this, and you know, like it's better than, you know, the, I think like the previous stuff that they've done. And I'm like the previous stuff, do you mean it's better than Skyrim? That's over a decade old. Like talk about a low fucking bar. Like, wow. <laughs> like I just, I couldn't <laughs> believe the like lack of um, finesse. <laughs> in the characters i was just like man oh man like again talking like being too big and then not being able to kind of like focus in on specific things that make a gamer's experience better like having realistic looking people with expressions and personalities you know like they literally look like barbie dolls <laughs> like faces don't move like they're weird and oh man and i know when you make a huge huge game like this game is you're gonna have a ton of bugs too and there's like there's a lot of really like fun and funny moments that come out of like some of the the buggier <laughs> things and and the ragdoll physics and things like like i mean 
Matt and I had a great time just like messing around, not doing anything. Like there was okay, there's this one quest that we got um that basically said you needed to to go to the head of security and get a security card uh in order to get into this other place. And you had to either wear a suit or like disguise yourself as as another security guard. And we weren't able to find anywhere to buy a suit. So we were like, okay, let's see if we can get a security uniform. And but the the quest giver was very specific that we were not to kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Um and so <laughs> we were looking around, looking around. We went to every locker, every building in the area and everything else. Could not find a security uniform. I'm like, there's gotta be something here. They wouldn't give you the option. And then Matt's like, okay, I'm gonna hide in a corner. I'm gonna wait until I'm hidden, and then I'm gonna kill a security guard and steal his clothes. I'm like, okay. Like, we haven't been able to find it anyway else. Let's try this. That's what we did. And the body was just laying out in the open. People, other security guards are, like, walking by and, like, stepping over him. No one being like, oh, no, our friend is dead. It was just like, do, 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 do. Everything's fine here. I'm security. Nothing to see. (laughs) So then Matt was like, okay, well, what if we go interact with the body? So we literally ragdoll carried this poor dead security guard up to the head of security. And nobody stopped us. We did it totally out in the open. Nobody cared that we were carrying this dead security guard. And then, like, we're holding him up and trying to talk to the NPC from, like, behind him. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Like, we made our own fun. And I get that. <laughs> it didn't work, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> eventually, we found a store. We bought a suit. We went and got the card. It was very boring. But <laughs> trying to carry the dead security guard and talk to the security head was hilarious and fun. But not what the game meant for us to do. <laughs> No, oh. I mean, you you basically reenacted Weekend at Bernie's. Um, exactly! <laughs> Hello, sir. I would like a security card, please. A hundred percent. I don't yeah, think like, it works in those movies, though. Like, <laughs> Although they did make three of them, so I, it must work in some regard. I haven't seen any of them, which is probably not surprising to people who have ever listened to a show of mine before. Um, I'm confirming how many there are. I feel like there's three. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so yeah, the um, the point of all the the point of that story is, I understand that when um, you build a huge, huge, huge game, the bugs and the lack of attention to detail can create some really hilarious, fun, one-off scenarios. That if it was a much smaller game and much more controlled and on rails and stuff, like you'd never have those experiences, like. What should have happened in that quest is we should have killed the security guard and that should have been a fail state because we were told not to kill anybody. But because we found this like little tiny corner where no one could see us and we could crouch and be hidden, then it like glitched the the quest and, and let us do this crazy, stupid, fun thing. So like, I understand the merits of big, huge open world games because you can make your own fun, but like... Also, that was a one-off stupid thing that you know, like, that my husband and I found hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just like you can't count on like fifty hours worth of experiences like that. You know, you you got to build a game that's got some 
interesting story to it, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, that's where I've, uh, like, again, going back to just focusing on the quests that it gives you and um, and doing the ones that you find interesting. Like, I, I think that, I think the one you're specifically talking about is, like, helping a bartender get ingredients that got stuck in holding because they were secured by, uh, you know, less than ideal means. And, uh, yeah, like, that quest, I just, I talked mm, to the no, guy guarding is, it. Which is really funny. no. It's oh. it's hilarious that there are like it sounds like duplicate quests basically. Um we were sent there from some corporation um to to pick something up. Um oh. It was like a a missing shipment or something like that. Um huh. And you okay. needed the key card to like get into the area where the courier was last seen or something like that. So like it was yeah, but same thing like somebody sends you on a quest you need to get a card to get into a, an area and bring back a piece of cargo. Like, copy <laughs> <Yeah>. paste. <laughs> yeah, I just, I ended up talking to the, the guard. And I, again, like the way I like to play these games is just, you know, ratchet up my persuasion and work on charisma and well, all you, that. And, he wouldn't even talk to you if you weren't wearing oh. the right clothing. If you didn't have a suit or a security guard outfit, he you couldn't even get into dialogue options. He was just like, stop bothering me. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, that but and that type of stuff is is busy work. It has no bearing on the overall story, and it comes back to the original issue that I think both you and I have is like, what is the overall story? If the overall story is just to be in this world, it's like okay, then I think it's fair to say the world isn't capturing your attention. It's it's yeah. getting there for me, but like you know, am I going to keep playing? I got it on Game Pass. I didn't buy it. Oh yeah, I am so glad that I that I didn't pay for this game. And again, like not to say it's not worth the money or anything like that. It's just that for me personally, it wouldn't be worth the $90 price tag. Like I'm really happy that I have the option to play it through Game Pass because otherwise I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have tried it even. You know, so I'm glad that I at least got the, you know, character creation experience and you know, got to kind of dip my toe in. Because I never would have done that if it wasn't on Game Pass. So, like, I'm glad I at least tried it. But, yeah, I really don't think it's my thing. And, like, even when I was doing the character creation and you have to, like, pick your um, your traits and pick your, I guess, class. Like, I was reading through everything and I'm just like, I have no idea what's good, what's bad, or what any of this stuff means. So, like, I felt like I was kind of creating my character totally blind which also wasn't a great like feeling. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, but anyways, yeah. Game pass thumbs up. <laughs> yes, for sure. And, uh, I will, I will, uh, I'm not going to be, I'm not gonna have more to share next week, but I feel like in October, if I get back to the game, I look, I, I just, there's something there about it. I understand. Like, I really kind of want to see what the reviewers are talking about. And I guess I'm like halfway there so, you know, if I really focus on the main quest, maybe I, I get to that point. I kind of see where it's going. But if it is just like you got all the powers and that's what makes the game cool, it's like, well, you know, probably not as groundbreaking as as what uh, as what some reviews are saying. But I understand, like the systems are all in, in there that like they all work well together. They really did design like a space exploration game where on ground you're doing quests and in space you're docking with ships you're 
before you dock with them, you have to hail them and have a conversation. And then it's like they they kind of put it all in there and it's it's really cool. Like, I, I think that's the the thing I always come away from it is like what I played is super cool, but it's not exactly the type of game that I would normally play. Like, I've not played mm-hmm. Everspace. I haven't played um you know, Star Citizen or or the countless other sort of like space exploration focused game because they're just they're not my cup of tea. But I wanted to try this one because I love Bethesda um, and I, I have Game Pass. So it's like it's kind of a no brainer. But, uh, you know, it's um it's not it's it, look, it's this is not the way like Skyrim really was a big thing for us. And uh, unfortunately, Starfield is like not holding us like like skyrim did right yeah yeah which is unfortunate that's a real bummer because we waited 10 years for it you know yeah we gotta wait (laughs) now now we're gonna have to wait another 10 years for elder scrolls 6 as a result (laughs) yeah and i mean you know i think it's fair to to share that you know politely share that sentiment and you know and that's how we do it here well at least by the time uh elder scrolls 6 comes out they should have a new engine right so we won't have dead-eyed npcs anymore (laughs) Jocelyn, this is a new engine. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on that note of the uh, I had the same I had the opposite reaction that you had. And I was playing it. It's like, man, these NPCs look really good for a Bethesda game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's probably because I went straight from Baldur's Gate 3 into this. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) there's a definite difference in quality there. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, I see that. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, before we move into the news, I did want to quickly mention Hearthstone uh, because I don't have tack anymore. So you guys have to listen to me deal with it. But uh, Hearthstone just launched a new version of their constructed ladder called Twist. And I wanted to mention it because um, basically it's grabbed my attention and it's so much fun in a way that uh, classic and wild never really have so basically twist is uh a set of expansions it's the kind of thing that the community has been asking for this since like probably the second year of wild or so um basically as soon as wild kind of hit this critical mass where there were a ton of cards so if you're not familiar wild it basically lets you play any card that's ever been made in hearthstone um so the more expansions they put out in hearthstone the bigger the card collection that's legal in wild becomes. So twist kind of is attempting to address that concern that wild is very difficult to get into. It's very, 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 very powerful because it has literally every card ever made in Hearthstone. Uh, And so twist has a um, expansion of its own called caverns of time that has, I think um, a whole bunch of reprints, but also, 34 new cards i think um and then the format itself is like a hand-picked set of expansions from the past so there's um old gods mean streets of gadgets and um goblins versus gnomes i think um grand tournament and i think there might be one more expansion um and then plus your your general you know basic cards Um, so it's really, really fun and interesting because it will change every month. So right now that's the group of expansions that we're playing with. It's good for the next like 16 days or whatever. 
and then it's going to change again. And so right now, I think there's maybe like four or five different classes that are like super viable. It's what you're seeing on ladder. There's some overpowered combinations of cards you can play, but you know, it's only good for a month. So it's like, I find it less rage inducing. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay, now I'm playing against another rogue. They did the rogue thing, but I know that like October 1st, it's going to be something totally different. So I find that there's kind of like a built-in freshness there and I'm not getting like upset at people doing powerful things. And it's letting me play the cards that I used to play from like, it's I'm playing Jade stuff. I'm playing old God stuff. I'm like, this is the kind of thing that I want to play in Hearthstone. It's giving me that nostalgia for stuff that I played in like, you know, seven, eight years ago, but without having to know every single possibility, possible combo of cards in Hearthstone that I ha would have to know in Wild. So like, it feels much more approachable for me anyway. And I like, I've literally been playing every single day. Like I haven't touched Constructed like constructed ladder this much in years, years. Like I am, I'm sitting down and I'm playing like 20, 30 games a day. Like it's, it's got the just one more game, like just push the button feeling that I got when battlegrounds first launched. So, I mean, I am loving it. I think if you have been like, if you're an older Hearthstone player, it's been out of it for a while. Um, I, I really think this is worth checking out. It's a lot of fun. Cool. No, I, I've heard, uh, I've seen a lot of talk of of the, the, the new twist mode on Twitter and it seems like folks are, are really enjoying it. So, the, and this is, you mentioned it's constructed. So is this one where yes. it's dependent on you having like a bunch of cards? Like, cause you say it goes back into it is, old expansions. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, I mean, they, so yes, it does. It pulls from your collection. It is a constructed mode. Um, they do have like bundles in the shop so you can kind of, um, like target the older expansion. So they've got like, um, for instance, I think there's one bundle and I can't remember how much it costs. I feel like I want to say like around $40 or something, um, where like you're guaranteed to get, I think either one or two legendaries. I can't remember. And then like 20 packs from two expansions. So it'll be like, Mean Streets of Gadgetzan and um, Whispers of the Old Gods. So it's like you can kind of and there's and there's many, many bundles now in the shop. They've that's something that they've kind of been doing over the last couple of years is um, really expanding the shop from just the card packs is they've really started to do a lot of bundles. So I think there's like four or six bundles that are tied to twist mode, not to mention you can also buy um, buy like pre-made decks. Um, so there's like one pre-made deck for every class. Uh, there's also no demon hunter because they did not exist <laughs> when these expansions were out. So that makes me really happy. <laughs> but, uh, well, demon hunter or death knight, I guess, um, because those are the two new, uh, classes, but, um, yeah, basically you can go into the shop with either money or gold and buy these bundles. And then that, um, kind of helps you flesh out your collection for, for, this specific game mode so like if you didn't play when like grand tournament and mean streets were out you can buy that bundle and and get some cards and get going or you can be like hey i really like warrior i'm gonna buy the warrior deck and they're all made like twist format legal so 
there's uh, there are some options in the shop. And like I said, it's a it's a gold or real money purchase. You don't have to use real money. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I think that's my thing is like you have um, there's this balance with a free to play game that or a service game, I guess, that has been around this long where you have to like be you're at a stage where like we we equally have to be catering to folks who've been playing since the beginning and folks who um, have never played or have haven't played in a long time. So it's mm-hmm. that delicate balance. And it sounds like they've tried to hit it with this new mode in combination with how the store works and buying packs and stuff or, or buying expansion uh, sets or yeah. what have you. Giving away decks or making decks available for purchase is something that they started doing a few years ago, um, like for returning players, basically, like when you logged in, you had the option to just pick a class and then they would give you a standard legal deck that would work for that class. And they get updated every rotation or every rotation or every expansion. I can't remember because I've never been a returning player, so I've never had the option. But basically, uh, they've been trying to make Hearthstone as accessible as possible to new and returning players over the last few years um, and, you know, like making it more than just, hey, you have to go buy 200 packs to fill out your collection. Like they're they're really trying to give affordable options instead of just like go drop $300 on cards, <laughs> you know, so... Um, I think that, uh, they, like, I expect that they will keep doing this and, uh, I think it's, I think it's a great idea because like not everybody played Hearthstone in 2015, like, you know, or there's a lot of people that maybe played in 2015 and then stopped. And, you know, if that's the case, you probably have a lot of these cards already. So, I mean, it, what the, what expansions are included or is it's going to change over time, but um, I think at least right now, this first season, I'm having a really, 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 really fun time. Cool. Oh, that's really good. I mean, honest, like I said, anything that keeps a a longstanding service game sort of running and and um, has that balance and interesting act. and relevant and yeah, yeah. I think that's it's it's tough. The longer you're, there's a reason why you you know service games kind of shut down because they eventually hit that point where it's like we can't. We we can't figure out a way to do both, like keep everyone who's still playing happy and bring in new players and or returning players where it feels meaningful. And like sometimes the gameplay decision is like, well, we just got to give returning and or new players like a bunch of free stuff, which alienates folks who have been putting money in and playing the game for a long time. So, yeah, it's a really tough balancing act. Well, so far, I feel like Hearthstone is doing a pretty good job of that. And they seem to be really listening to the community and and doing a lot of things and trying a lot of things now that we've kind of asked of them. Like I say, like people have been asking for a mode like this where, you know, expansions, it's a it's a curated set of expansions to give a, an interesting kind of experience that isn't around for very long. Because I think that's what everyone kind of thought when they launched classic Hearthstone is like, oh, cool. You know, like they'll start releasing the expansions over time and then, you know, but then you get into the situation where you're like, but what if what I wanted to play was classic like 2014 vanilla Hearthstone? <laughs> like now you've ruined it because you just launched like Goblins versus Gnomes. Like, damn it. <laughs> so I think uh, they're they're listening to what the community has been asking for. And in some cases it has been, you know, seven, eight years that's we've been asking for something, but you know, like at least we're getting it now. And I think the implementations that we're getting are really good, really well thought out. So 
Yeah, if you haven't looked at Hearthstone, uh, go check out Twist because uh, I'm having a great freaking time in there. So thumbs up to Hearthstone, which is probably a take that you're used to hearing from me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No, it sounds great. Uh, if you do like the show, if you'd like to support what we're doing here, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in like ridiculous hat did. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You are our September patron. If you would like your name here again, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in. Uh, we've also got our extra life campaign running right now. You can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI extra life 2023. That is all lowercase to uh, see the team and donate to anybody on there. Uh, there's also an event tonight, Friday, September 15th, starting at 8 p.m., where uh, Travis and Whirlwind are going to be playing Gotham Knights at uh, Pixel Mountain Gaming over on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone uh, someone's going to play Gotham Knights. I have uh, had an interest in that game, so I'm going to check it out and watch the stream and see how things go. It's uh, yeah, it's the co-op Arkham sort of game that kind of came out and quickly went away. Like, uh, so this will be. Really interesting to see. I don't know who's playing what, but there's no Batman in the game. So I'm really hoping that they just every time they get a donation, they have to do like a their best Batman impersonation. So, (laughs) well, I think they have to do that now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so anytime someone donates uh, Travis or Whirlwind, they can flip a coin. I don't know and figure out who has to who has to do it. So, yeah, Batman impersonations. Tune in twitch.tv slash pixel mountain gaming. And that brings us to the news this week. Uh, first, off, we are going to talk about the directs and the state of play that happened uh, just this week. But first, I uh, wanted to mention uh, Unity really shitting the bed this week. Uh, they basically introduced a new fee that was going to be attached to number of game installs. And the reason that this is getting so much flack is because there are a lot of indie developers who are like, I built my game on your engine and now I have to tell people not to buy my game <laughs> because if you do, then I'm not going to have any money. <laughs> so um, basically, Unity has kind of like walked back some of the parts of the program now. But um, originally, the original announcement uh, and the original FAQ basically said every single install of a game is going to count towards a certain threshold. And once you exceed the threshold, then we're going to charge you per install. And uh, so they were counting like installs from pirated software, from charity bundles. So a lot of people were saying, okay, so now you, I can't, you know, um, offer my game as part of like humble bundle. They were counting. And I think they do still count services like game pass, which we've talked about, you know, extensively about how great it is for these indie developers to get on that platform and get access. Cause game pass has, I think 25 million subscribers now. So if you're an indie offering on game pass and even a fraction of game pass players install your game, there isn't even any sort of like, time on it like minimum amount of game played basically you're again like out of money very very quickly um so it's a it's kind of a real concern specifically among indie developers that they're not going to be able to market their game and participate in some of these programs for fear of being too interesting (laughs) like there was um i saw that somebody did some math on twitter 
and was basically saying that like if an indie game participated in Humble Bundle and that bundle sold 200,000 copies, which is the threshold to start charging, then it would cost the indie company (laughs) $60,000. And it's just like, that doesn't seem great. (laughs) So, you know, like it it is very, um, it's been basically a PR nightmare for Unity. And so now they've put out a response a, a couple days after their original announcement and they've said, okay, um, we're not going to include, um, it's it's new installs only, not reinstalls, which originally it was reinstalled. So like if I really wanted to screw a company over, I could sit at my computer and go install, uninstall, install, uninstall, install, uninstall. And every one of those installs would count. <laughs> so they've walked that back now and it's like, no, new installs only, not reinstalls. Don't worry. Um, they've said that uh, charity related installs won't count that uh, pirated-related installs won't count. But uh, people are kind of throwing up a flag saying, well, how are you going to know how the install came to be? Like, <laughs> you have you told us originally you were going to charge us for every single instance of the game. Now you're saying you can tell the difference <laughs> between all of these different types of installs? Like, wh- what's going on? Why didn't you do this originally? So there's like... A whole lot of trust lost, I think, um, around Unity. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're having a rough week. Yeah, and I mean, um, it shouldn't surprise anybody about these changes because I guess the the CEO is the the really bad EA CEO they had a while ago. <laughs> um, I think I think it's John. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that shouldn't surprise anyone. I think like the the core issue here that I see is is they've They've made, they're making this change. It's going to apply retroactively to everyone who's using the Unity engine. I, I think that's still the case. Um, they haven't fully walked it back yet. They're trying to explain that this will only affect, this will not affect 90% of the folks that, that use their engine. But you mentioned like a critical thing here is that as an indie developer or even someone that's just trying to like explore game development, if you, <laughs> accidentally hit it big uh and your game does really well and let's say you sold it for let's say you put it on sale for two bucks or or even you know what if you put it up for free is like oh let's try this and see who likes it uh suddenly you hit that threshold if you don't have enough income coming in you legally owe money to the unity company like that's that's scary i mean there's a reason why um you look at internet packages, cell phone packages, like unlimited data eventually came to be and was adopted by consumers is because it's worry-free. Like I've received a bill for overages before. It's not fun. And it makes using the service kind of stressful. You know, what's my bill going to be this month? You might forget to worry about it for two months. And then suddenly when it hits you again with service fees, it's like, oh my gosh, like it it's just it it's never felt good and that's mm-hmm. not a good relationship to have and i i understand that a lot of folks use unity for free and i guess unity makes a lot of their money back through their sort of ad business and there was even a thing saying like hey if you switch to our ad business we won't do this installation fee thing um which is is pretty pretty crummy 
Yeah, it feels very predatory, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's trying to rope you into what is actually, you know, profitable for Unity, which is their ad business. But like, which like, and I understand that, you know, a company wants to make money, a company needs to make money, Unity needs to make money in order to still have like create the platform and maintain the platform and everything. And I understand that. But they charge fees like you to be a Unity developer isn't free. Like, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Seems crazy to me. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I've seen a lot of follow up tweets from developers, as, as you stated, like people are not happy. Developers saying like, we're two years into a project with Unity, like we need to switch. There are there are competitors out there. You know, um, I think Godot is a big one uh, that is starting to get popular. Unreal also has really pushed for like being, you know, a profitable but fair engine to use. It's one of the most popular ones out there. It's, you know, it costs more than a lot of these other ones that we've mentioned, but. Well, but I mean, if you're, if you're like staring down this 200,000 install threshold and thinking you're going to owe 60 grand it, like, I think you just pay for a different, possibly more expensive developer license on a different platform, right? Like, there's no way that these competitors cost $60,000 to start. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like seems like a bad idea from Unity. It, it is a it's a terrible idea because I, I think what made Unity so appealing is its ability to sort of have your game available on multiple platforms Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward, you know, 10 years after Unity has come out, a lot of engines are already doing that. Unreal yeah. has, you know, mobile phone, Nintendo Switch support, like the systems that you normally wouldn't, you know, associate with a with a major engine. So like the competitors have caught up with Unity. So it's odd for Unity to make this this change. And I think uh, I think you're going to see you're going to see fall, further fallout from this where smaller companies will will be like okay well i was interested in godot uh i was interested in looking at unreal i guess this is the Now's push the i needed yeah yeah which you know like you're not gonna this <laughs> all this change all this policy seems to do is push people off of your platform so congratulations unity now you're not gonna have as many users and you're not gonna make money from this anyway like, yeah, I know it's going to be like very difficult. I, we've talked a lot about indie creators and basically it's because like <laughs> the bigger companies, like they're going to have bigger bills, but they're probably uh, it's a lot harder for them to pivot. Right. Like indie developers, I think very much will just go to another platform. And if that means that it's going to take another year or two to get it out because they have to, you know, start from scratch or like, I, I don't actually, I'm not a game dev. I don't actually know if you can like export from unity and import into something else. But if that's functionality, unity's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Isn't that how game development works? Right click, export, right click, yeah. import. Come on. <laughs> it should just be that easy. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyways, like, I don't know if there's any sort of like, easy way to convert to another platform but like with the the kind of bills that you're potentially talking about again if your game becomes successful then like i don't know it just seems to me like you're you're setting yourself up for failure and i've seen a lot of and i know that they're memeing but like i've seen a lot of devs that are like 
hey guys, I've been working the last five years on this game. We built it in Unity. Please don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's just such a sad state of affairs. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I think that like, this is, this is a terrible move. Um, and I mean, like I say, I think they'll probably keep their, their larger clients, their AAA type stuff, but I think they're going to lose a lot of indie creators. So we'll see how this all plays out and if they, if they kind of stick to it. Cause like I say, even in the couple of days from the original announcement to now, they've, they have walked some things back, which again has like, I guess the the lack of consistency and transparency has worried a lot of developers and there's not a lot of trust in that platform anymore because they haven't really expanded on the other than to say like, oh, just trust us, we know. Um, like they haven't told us how they actually will be able to tell what kind of an install it is. Um, other than like the the reinstalls, I'm sure they can probably tell, but like where it comes from, like saying that charity related installs won't count and, you know, stuff like that. It's like, but do you like, are you literally going to go install by install and try to find all the pirated versions? Like, it just seems like they can't really tell, but they're hoping you won't ask <laughs> and that you'll just pay the bill when they send it. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just a lot of trust has been lost here. So we'll let you guys know if there's any updates to this story in the coming weeks. Uh, but like I say, yeah, they've already walked some stuff back from their original announcement. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what actually happens uh, with this crazy Unity install fee. But uh, let's talk about something fun. Nintendo Direct uh, happened yesterday. And uh, there's some really cool stuff in here. There's some, um, like expanded trailers from stuff that had already been announced and uh yeah there's i'm honestly i'm really excited about the princess peach game showtime so we have a title now uh and you get to basically play as peach except you get to like morph into all of these different like costumes and you get different powers to play through different levels so you there's like bakery peach and swordplay peach and ninja peach and i don't know it looks really fun and really cool yeah you missed the best one detective peach oh detective peach i was like i yeah. know there's at least one more they showed she becomes yeah. batman basically the best part of batman <laughs> well and it's kind of cool because it looks like really really varied gameplay like there was like at one point when you're like bakery peach it reminded me of like a mario party mini game but then, like you say, there's like Detective Peach and you're like looking for clues and trying to solve things. And then at another point when she's Sword Peach, you're actually doing like fighting moves and jumping over things. But then like when you're Ninja Peach, there was almost like a Paper Mario moment where it was like a side, like almost like a fighting game sort of a view. And I was just like, man, they've just crammed so much into this Peach title that it looks way more interesting than a lot of what I've seen out of the Mario franchise lately. Like, this seems like a whole bunch of games all in one, which could be yeah. a mistake. <laughs> like, if I love Bakery Peach and I only get to play her for one level, is that a win or a loss? I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of prefer the varied gameplay. I think it kind of reminds me of, uh, you have more, like, themed worlds. Mm -hmm. And um, it reminded me a lot of Kirby, and I think what Kirby's done well lately with their sort of themed areas is they they have these mini games that kind of like encapsulate like that area really well so i could we don't know this but i could see uh princess peach showtime having 
like little areas, uh, like a mini game area where it's like, okay, like you really enjoyed the the detective mode or or the 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 cake area. You can kind of do like a mini game based around that, um, and that's a very Nintendo thing to do. But it's it is a very unique Nintendo thing to be like, okay, let's take this character, let's give them a game, and let's make it unique. Not even unique to them, just unique in general. Like this is mm-hmm. this is not um, this is not something that like peach or nintendo characters have done previously in my mind it's it's closer to kirby than it is to really any sort of mario characters so yeah well yeah and there's no there are no other than the toads which are arguably peach characters yes um like mushroom kingdom characters but like yeah there's no mario there's no luigi there's no bowser it's a totally new villain um whose character design i thought was really cool i can't Mm -hmm. remember what her name is but she's like this witch type character and she looks really neat Oh, and yeah. then you as Peach have this little star guardian, which reminded me of Rosalina. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Stella, I think her name is or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like more like it's like kind of like plant based. There's like a lot of plant stuff going on. Um, It's a really interesting. It looks really it's cool. cool. I mean, yeah. I, I'm glad we got like a more expanded look because I was originally like the look we got in June was very much like. When's this thing coming out? It doesn't seem super fleshed out. Like it was a very much a tease, but this was a trailer for a game that's coming out uh, in March. And it's and, March, right? Yeah, yeah. So me and the kids kind of like we went through and watched um, trailers from the direct, and uh, you know, Abby and Izzy were just they loved it. They can't wait, and Izzy's especially excited because she's like, "Wait, March? She's three and a half, and she's already." connected anytime the kids ask for something we say well <laughs> add it to your birthday list so izzy's like wait march like that's that's my birthday that can go like, on my birthday list <laughs> it's like yep put it on your birthday list it comes out a week before so have fun <laughs> i i'm i'm on a, i'm really looking forward to it because it looks it looks really cool and i i like when nintendo does unique stuff you know yeah. and uh there was certainly a lot of there was a there was this direct was very like um, there wasn't as much unique stuff. It was, there was a lot of remakes, a lot of remasters, a lot of like bones thrown to the system that is likely in its last year. Uh, mm-hmm. And you see that a lot with, you know, we had Mario versus Donkey Kong, which is a remake of a GBA game. It's coming out in February. Uh, F-099, which is exclusive to um, Nintendo Switch Online, which is more of like a, more of like an online sort of micro game it's not well, yeah because uh, we had the we had like a mario 99 thing at one point right yeah yeah, yeah it was so, a super mario 35 or something yeah it was the anniversary thing that they did and so like the um the the 99 thing i think that like they've done before and will probably do again yeah yeah it'll continue uh as a trend i think they have tetris 99 they did pac-man yeah. 99 it's it's like a battle royale and and i played a little bit of f-099 it was available like after the direct and uh yeah you're you're bit you're basically playing super nes f-0 it's been upgraded it's not like just the the rom or whatever they've built a new game and there's like 99 racers and you're trying to <laughs> trying to win and it's it's fun it's really cool but i mean like what how long of it uh, would it have the same sort of staying power as like a new f-zero game probably not but uh a lot of folks were hoping you know f-zero was teased by some leakers and and people are oh a new f-zero game is like guys like 
you know, there's a new Switch coming, even if there was an F-Zero game coming, it would be targeting new hardware. It would be on the next hardware. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I I was thought that the Mario versus Donkey Kong remake looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I never played the original, but the new one looks looks really interesting. And that that one is a remake. I think the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is the remaster. Yes. Um, so yeah, so the the remaster. I mean, I'm excited about Thousand Year Door because I loved that game. So I will definitely be playing the remaster just to get back into it because it was so fun the first time around. Um, but I think I'm probably also going to check out this Mario versus Donkey Kong because it is it's a full remake and uh, it looked really. F- fun and it's got local co-op too yeah i i really adore the mario versus donkey kong franchise and it's it's been a while um uh, i just i love the premise like donkey kong got mad at mario and stole all the mario dolls like that's so fun (laughs) yeah it's a fun one and i'm glad they're remaking the gba one because like in typical nintendo fashion when they do follow-ups they're like okay how do we how do we make this different from it? And they kind of ruined the concept. The GBA one, which was original, was, was very like it was a simple puzzle game. And I, I, I preferred that. I think the later ones were more like you got to incorporate the stylus and then you got to it's it. Now it's not Donkey Kong. It's somebody else you're you're trying to sort out. So I, I think it's the right move to to remake that one. And um, uh, and then they also have the Super Mario RPG remake, which is uh, I'm also cannot wait for is one of my favorite games on the super Nintendo and uh, a lot of people love that game. <laughs> yeah. It's, Oh man, it's one of my favorites and I can't, I can't wait to play it. And it's like, I, because of the situation with the rights holders and square and Nintendo, I kind of figured like, we'll just never see it again, you know? Cause every time in order to pull those characters out and bring them back, it's like, you got to have lawyers on both sides. So <laughs> It's and tough. they ruin I, everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lawyers, uh, like, it's not necessarily the lawyers, it's the companies, right, that employ the lawyers. Like, I think Square Enix owns the com- owns the characters, uh, the original characters, and obviously Nintendo owns all the Nintendo characters, and it's like a shared thing. And, you know, like, Square has Final Fantasy, Nintendo has all their stuff. There probably wasn't, like, a a money sense to work together to kind of bring those characters back. But the fact that we're getting a remake is, is really cool. So that one's out in November. They've kind of got the switch sorted for the next six months. And Mm -hmm. um, I think the latest scheduled thing is uh, Luigi's mansion two. Oh, Luigi. Right. Yeah. In summer. And which again is a, is a remaster of a 3ds game. So there's uh yeah there's lots to look for and i think we'll probably get like one more direct in february that is switch focused and probably come summer we'll hopefully know more about what nintendo's doing next hardware wise yeah i mean i would even expect some news in the next direct about whatever the new hardware is going to be because i really do think we're going to see it holiday next year so you know like the the sooner they they tell us the better i think so yeah yeah We'll see. We'll see, but we'll let you guys know. Uh, and then finally, uh, PlayStation had their state of play for September. Um, and there there really wasn't anything um, that stood out to me necessarily, but you've got a couple things. So this Baby Steps game. <laughs> are you actually like excited about this or looking forward to like explain explain this to me? <laughs> Why is this on your list of, of notables from the presentation? <laughs> it just 
look. Like it just looks so unique and silly. And you know what it reminded me of? And I, I know everyone's played these games. Like I think it was called Quop or something. It was a web game where you had to run and you had to use the QWOP and you like controlled different parts of your legs. Like it's just one of those unique situations of like, this is fun because it's so quirky and it's, and it's difficult because it's like it, it, you're, it's not a, usually in a video game, you just push right to move and yeah. you're having to like alternate between four buttons. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's the same person. There was another um, game similar to, I think it's called getting over it where you're like a dude in like a cauldron and you use like a stick to kind of like move up a mountain uh didn't play it but like it looked certainly unique but um it just looks it looks so quirky and <laughs> i love my favorite part is the characters like it kind of felt like a running commentary from the character which i thought was really cool and if they can nail that without it being annoying i think that would be really fun because <laughs> like the character's like trying to get up this small hill and he's like all right let's try this okay nah, no that's not working all right well let's try over here and post and post tree and oh, yeah, i didn't get it so like <laughs> again like it's um it's just unique you know it looks it looks silly and uh there wasn't a whole lot to the direct or the state of play like it was kind of light um but you know got spider-man 2 another spider-man 2 trailer which is nice and uh, other than that yeah yeah i i mean like i know that you love uh the spider-man stuff so i i was expecting you to be excited about that but yeah that baby steps game man like i just i can't see myself well playing it for more than 30 seconds and being like this is so dumb i'm out <laughs> yeah and i mean you know what it's a perfect uh and i wouldn't be surprised if it launched on ps plus plus or whatever like I, I oh right yeah the handheld thing uh well no like just on their subscription oh, the, service on their subscription thing yeah <laughs> there's playstation's terrible at naming things and i make it worse by like <laughs> making up a new name so that's my bad sony don't don't send your lawyers but uh <laughs> i think the big thing was uh the trailer for final fantasy 7 rebirth mm. no idea what's going on um story-wise i did see like chatter online of like oh man i recognize this and that and that and i was like okay like i don't want to I'm just going to remain quiet here, but like, it seems like some folks understand what's going on. Me, still don't get it. Looks like a lot of fun, <laughs> though. I'm going to be going in just enjoying what's happening. But I, you know, I recognize a couple of locations and stuff. So this is, you know, a continuation of that story and remake and using, you know, environments and locations from the original but uh, yeah, that one's out in February. They keep pushing the fact that it's on two discs as if it's like a thing that I that we want. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why are they? Why are we talking about discs? <laughs> like I don't know. It's 2023, right? <laughs> it is. Yes. And when it comes out, it'll be 2024. February 24th, I think, is the date. Um, it's it looks really cool. Like it looks I, I really liked Remake. And I'm excited to see where they go next uh, with with Rebirth. Um, I like the world that they've set up. So like I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I did not play Final Fantasy 16, but um, it's, it's kind of wild to think we're going to have another Final Fantasy game within within a year of the last one. So it's mm -hmm. it's really neat. It's, it's a good time to be a Final Fantasy fan for sure. 
Yeah, it seems like uh, same with Resident Evil. There's a there was a lot of Resident Evil stuff going on. Yes, yeah, uh, that was a big one for for me because uh, Resident Evil Four, like Capcom is really pushing the Resident Evil stuff these days. With uh, Resident Evil Four is going to get a free update as well as DLC. The DLC is separate ways, which was a part of Resident Evil Four that was added after the GameCube exclusivity ran out um okay so it's kind of a side campaign there's a character in resident evil 4 ada wong who shows up and um as part of this dlc she's you're in gonna dead get by to, daylight and she is in dead by daylight you're going to be able to see sort of what she was doing in between scenes where she shows up uh in the game um i played it as part of i think it was in the wii version when I played it, but I think it was originally added to the PlayStation two. So this is that DLC remade in the new engine and with, you know, modernized storytelling and all that. So like, it's going to be different. Uh, but I was impressed that it's launching at 10 bucks us. Like that seems like a very reasonable price for, uh, a piece of campaign DLC. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that I don't <laughs> have to spend a bunch of money, but, uh, we are, we're going to be I'll I'll have it on the show. I'll talk about it here and I'll obviously talk about it on uh Zombies Ate my podcast as well. But uh other than that, like uh they also announced Tales of Arise is getting an expansion, which is a JRPG that I played um Okay, I was like I couldn't remember if you played it or if it was just the Discord that was talking about it, but I'm like this the, the Tales is is ringing bells now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I played it. Uh, so it came out, I think, in 2020, maybe 2021. And uh, I played it as part as like our Patreon update corner. So I'd play like right. a chunk of it. And then every week I'd like, you know, report back on how I was doing. And I did finish it. So, you know, not an update corner that fell to the wayside. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, maybe it comes back. <laughs> so with the expansion is coming out, but the expansion is coming out. It's coming out in November. And my favorite part about it, Jocelyn, is that it's post-game content. So Ooh. we're exploring the story after the ending of the main game, which is like my favorite thing to do. I love a good epilogue DLC. You know, uh, it takes place a year and a half after the main game. We get to revisit these characters, see how they've been doing, see whether they've like, you know, strengthened their bonds and relationships over time. like. Uh, you know, we were really, really good pals by the end of it. So, like, hopefully everyone's still um, on good terms. Everyone still and- likes you. Maybe it's like Animal Crossing and they're like, we haven't seen you in two years. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. You just let all the weeds collect. Nobody's yeah. <laughs> been here collecting and pulling weeds. Uh, so uh, you're dead to us. And it's like, well, you know, maybe the first part of the expansion is just pulling those weeds. Um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The fact that it's coming out in November was a surprise. We had no idea this was going to happen. So, uh, yeah, for fans of the franchise and fans of Tales of Arise, like it was a a pretty big deal. So um, it it was a it was a good state of play. I mean, Sony is so Nintendo, obviously, when they have a Nintendo Direct, it's like 75 percent Nintendo stuff. When Sony has a state of play, it's like one sony game and the rest is third party you know even though some of these things are exclusive or more closely tied to the playstation sort of console uh really spider-man 2 was the only 
Sony owned property kind of shown off. There was a couple of side things, yeah. but that was the main one. Um, and that's kind of been their approach. Like they're not announcing like in terms of first party Sony stuff, like we don't know anything after Spider-Man two mm-hmm. um, that is, that is as big as Spider-Man two, like no, no future horizon stuff, no um, God of war, no uh, uncharted, no last of us. Like, they didn't show any of that. They kind of just focus on like what's next. So we'll have to wait until the next day to play after Spider-Man 2 in October to kind of see what what they have planned from their first parties. Mm-hmm. Which I think is probably where where my interest in the state of play is going to is going to come in. Like not that that there's, you know, nothing here. I think the the Final Fantasy 7 in particular is is going to, you know, garner a lot of interest, but uh yeah, I think for me it's a lot of the first party PlayStation stuff that I find really, really interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to just have to wait a little bit longer <laughs> for uh, after Spider-Man actually comes out. And then hopefully uh, we'll get some more information on what's next from PlayStation. Uh, but that's going to do it for us this week. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com or over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye for a little bit, everybody. Yes. Jocelyn, good luck. We will definitely pass along updates on the show and in Discord. I'm sure there will be plenty of pictures once she's actually here. Yes, 100%. <laughs> so, folks, stay tuned. We'll have more episodes, but Jocelyn will be back. Jocelyn will return. Title card. <laughs>